Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road World Football Show, where today, Denny Carter and I will be previewing the NFC West with the help of 49ers analyst Rob Guerrera and Cardinals analyst Johnny Venerable. That's Johnny. That's exactly how you say his last name. Denny knows I obsess over pronunciations. You think about him a lot. I do. I think about them a lot. I'm not this Rob. I said his last name correctly. He's going to join us right now off the jump. Uh, Johnny's going to be here in about 30 minutes or so. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Rob, first off, did I say Guerrero right? Please tell yeah, me. You, yes. You're actually two for two, Johnny Venerable and Rob Guerrero. So you're on <laughs> point for that. There we go. That's one of the one of the weirdest things about the internet is like you can read a word. I have seen your name in my Twitter feed for what, 10 or 12 years, but I have never <laughs> once had to say it out loud. And so I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's how you say that. Yeah, but, Pat, Pat will think about a person's last name until he absolutely butchers it. So yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad that didn't happen this time. Kirk, and we're here with Kirk Cousins. And, uh, yeah. is, it, is it Cousins? Is that is how you Cousins say? or Cousins? Uh, no, but Rob, we're here to talk about the 49ers, where uh, it wouldn't be a 49ers summer if there just wasn't massive confusion at some key offensive position, uh, sometimes more than one. This year, the confusion's a little different because we thought it might be at the starting starting quarterback spot, but like maybe against all odds, at least as outsiders, it does appear Brock Purdy is just the set-and-forget starter for the 49ers, at least to begin the year. The elbow healed up very well. Brock Purdy framed it, I thought, in an interesting way that you know, I'm not ahead of schedule. Like We just kind of like took it as it went, and it went well. Um, not, not lip service from the team. Here's Brock Purdy as a starter. But can you just tell us what in the world is going on behind Brock Purdy between Sam Darnold and Trey Lance? Because it's a fascinating situation. I feel like it might come into play because I, who knows if Brock Purdy will be able to stay healthy for 17 games. Will Trey Lance still be on this roster in week one? So on and so forth. Yeah, welcome to my world for the past like <laughs> two years, it feels like. Um, I'll try and make sense of it if I can. Brock Purdy is the starter. Uh, they have gotten extremely lucky with everything that has happened since the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy. The surgery that he had is younger than Venmo. It didn't exist 10 years ago, but it does now. Obviously, only two other NFL quarterbacks have ever even had this surgery, but everything has gone perfectly for Brock in terms of rehab. And you're right, he's not all the way back. He's technically like finishing up the final stages of it now. Um, He's going to go two days on, two days off for a few weeks, and then he'll ramp up to full speed. Now, behind him, 
I don't know what the hell the 49ers are doing. They're giving reps to Sam Darnold for some inexplicable reason. They're giving reps to Brandon Allen, the fourth quarterback on the roster. Instead of giving all those reps to Trey Lance, it is a very, very strange situation. John Lynch just spoke today, Monday, and said it's possible they keep four quarterbacks, although they're not really sure. So behind Brock Purdy, it's a lot of wait and see right now. Seems like they took the NFC Championship game where they had zero quarterbacks very hard. And now, you know, who's to say we might carry five? I mean, yeah. is that illegal? Yeah. I thought it was America. We're, 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 yeah, yeah, we're going to carry 14 quarterbacks in every game just so <laughs> right. we don't have to start Josh Johnson at any point. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Purdy, you know, the, the, the surgery he had, like you said, uh, is new. Um, there was a lot of concern about his long-term prospects going forward. Uh, has there been any indication that this has affected his arm strength, which, you know, as I understand it was not like off the charts to begin with, but it has, it has it impacted that, that arm strength. Everything the 49ers are saying right now is that it has not impacted the arm strength. All the reports we've seen from training camp, from observers, both beat writers and content creators say that the arm strength looks like it did last year. But like you said, it wasn't exactly super impressive last year. It was you know, just tall enough to ride the bumper cars, essentially. So that was the big worry, was that any loss of arm strength could really potentially damage Brock's career. But knock on wood or whatever this desk happens to be made out of, it seems like right now he's okay. Fiberglass, uh, Rob. You know, fiberglass. Uh, so that's my other question about Purdy is, as an outsider, I mean, just as a football fan, a football observer, I was pretty shocked the degree to which the 49ers embraced Purdy and it seemed like when he was watching those games, you know, down the stretch last year and in the playoffs, like, man, this guy is just, he's running hot. Like there's a lot of passes that could be picked off a lot yes. of play, a lot of coin flips that basically went in Brock Purdy's favor. I think maybe some of that was borne out like the pro football focus, like turnover worthy plays data, which some quarterbacks, Geno Smith has famously said is not a real stat because it might not be a real <laughs> stat to be honest, but it just certainly seemed like with the eye test, he was running hot. There was going to be some regression at some point. How were the 49ers so convinced that Brock Purdy wasn't just running hot and that he is worthy of being the starting quarterback for a team that's one of the Super Bowl favorites in 2023? I don't know because we've just seen this movie, right? Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of 2017 came in for five games, won all five games, looked pretty good. They made him the highest paid player of all time. And we all saw how that ended up with Jimmy Garoppolo. They traded heaven and earth to get his replacement. And yet, you could argue the 49ers are doing the same thing. Guess how many games Brock started in the regular season last year? Five. Now, he played better than Jimmy Garoppolo did, but you would think that, you know, they would be able to see that, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't jump in with both feet. But I think part of it is there's an emotional component to this because think of the 49ers season last year, right? Trey Lance gets hurt in the fifth quarter of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and you're like, all right, They've, they've gone far with Jimmy. They're okay. And then Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. And it's, hey, our season is circling the toilet bowl. This is supposed to be our Super Bowl year here. And then all of a sudden, Brock comes in and he stops the water from swirling. Right? He rescues this season. We've still got a shot with Brock Purdy. So I think there's an emotional attachment to him that I know fans have. I would like to think the decision makers don't have it. But these guys are, are humans, too. So I think that is part of this. It seems like Kyle Shanahan falls pretty hard for his quarterbacks when uh, when he likes them. One guy he has not fallen hard for is Trey Lance, uh, who, like you said, he traded heaven and earth to acquire. 
and has since really just not liked him all that much. Have, have there been any Im- improvements this offseason and mini camps and training camps in the way Trey Lance is playing? And are there issues with how he can conduct this offense uh, from an accuracy standpoint, from an from an arm strength standpoint? I mean, what what are the issues here for Trey Lance? So the issues for Trey Lance are accuracy seems to be the biggest thing. He's been kind of scattershot in his time. He just has 262 career snaps with the 49ers. Snap, not pass attempts. That includes handoffs. That includes everything. That's how little he's gotten to play in three years. He still has not finished back-to-back games since 2019. That's how inexperienced he is. Accuracy is the big issue with him. He's gotten a lot of press this offseason because he went to work with Jeff Christensen, the quarterback coach of Patrick Mahomes. He worked out with Patrick Mahomes, and he does seem to have made noticeable improvements to his throwing motion and to his footwork, which Kyle Shanahan has mentioned multiple times. You know, we've we've heard this story before, though, with other guys, so we need to see if it actually carries over into games. But the accuracy seems to be the big question with Trey Lance. And I don't know why the 49ers seem to have fallen out of love with him. It's very, very frustrating because to me, they have a Christmas present that they still haven't opened because of how little he's gotten to play. That's really a great analogy for it. Like, Dad, like, I know it's like a macho thing with you that you don't want to open your presents and you want to go last, but uh, it's been literally two years. But it's time. It is time. I was so excited to give this to Stop you. opening the, the Sam Darnold gift. <laughs> yeah, please the please stop opening the <laughs> Sam Darnold present. Rob, quickly, what is your sense? I mean, it, it, it doesn't sound like you think Trey Lance will not be on this roster in week one. Do, is he still a 49er after training camp, Trey Lance? <sighs> I think if the 49ers got a good enough offer that they would move him, to be honest with you, with the way they've been talking up Sam Darnold and Brandon Allen. Mike Silver recently reported that the best offer they got during the draft or before the draft was a fifth-round pick. I don't think that's going to get it done if you want Trey Lance, but I don't know why in the hell anybody else would give up more than that considering that they can read the tea leaves too and see where the 49ers are quarterback wise. So I think that he will be on the roster. The Niners famously held on to Jimmy Garoppolo when they were supposed to move off for him. They value their players a lot more than I think other people value them sometimes. So I think Trey will be there, but I think it's a very, very real possibility. He's quarterback three to open the year. That seems very realistic. This, like you said, the way they've been talking about Sam Darnold. Rob, Christian McCaffrey labeled as injury-prone in the fantasy community. We can debate almost literally endlessly if injury-prone is a real thing or not. But CMC, he held up last year, but kind of only barely. He played at less than 100% several times. Really mm-hmm. was like gutting things out, including in the playoffs. Uh, what, what are their plans, if any, you think, to manage McCaffrey's reps in 2023? And is Eliza Mitchell going to be like kind of like an actual committee member more than just like a breather back guy. There should be plans to manage Christian McCaffrey because he is the engine that drives this offense. They were scoring 19 points a game before McCaffrey got there. And after he got there, they were scoring around 30 points a game. And that's even with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback. So it has not been the Brock Purdy catalyst that changed things for San Francisco. It was Christian McCaffrey. But Kyle Shanahan really doesn't rotate running backs unless he has to. If guys get hurt, obviously he's got no choice. But when guys are healthy, he rides them as much as possible. So while he might need to mitigate CMC's reps, I don't think he's going to. And you can't debate, uh, you can't, excuse me, depend on Elijah Mitchell for anything. That poor guy just cannot stay on the field. He missed 16 of the 20 games the team played last year due to injury. So it's it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. And 
for however many games Elijah Mitchell holds up, he'll get his chances, but it's the CMC show. So, and that raises the question then, Rob, behind CMC and Mitchell, who, who will it be uh, in your estimation at RB3? Because man, fantasy managers desperately, desperately want to know this. Who is, who is the number three guy right now? Right now, it's Jordan Mason, who was impressive last season when he got in there. He averaged 4.2 yards per carry after contact per attempt. That would have led the league if he had enough carries to qualify. He runs yeah. hard, although he's had a little bit of a fumbling problem in camp so far that makes me nervous. And I know the 49ers are talking oh. up Ty Day. No, sorry. I was saying, uh-oh, it was a delayed reaction to the fumbling problem. Like, yes. Well, just going to cross him off any list I have. The Niners have been talking up Ty Davis Price, their third-round pick from a year ago, but he's, you know, he was a forgotten man last year, so he's got a long way to go. So right now, it's definitely Jordan Mason, and if Elijah Mitchell's hurt, which is a very real possibility, Mason could be RB2. So two things, and you said Elijah Mitchell and referenced his health history. I was like, oh, my gosh, is Elijah Mitchell hurt? And I just forgot. And he's, <laughs> he is – Currently healthy right now. And when you said, when Denny asked you who the number three was and you said Jordan Mason, if you had said like Alfred Morris, I just would have kept nodding and going <laughs> along with it and yes. just believed that they had signed him on like June 20th and like, yeah, he's from number three now. Okay. And because that's just how crazy and unpredictable it is. <laughs> and we're, we're very traumatized by Shanny's yes, usage. We are. Hey, Frank Gore just signed a contract with the 49ers. Yeah. Now, I be in the front office, but I know a lot of people were like, is he coming hey. back? We have to we have to pay attention to that. I I could see Frank Gore getting a few carries by week four, week five, somewhere in there. <laughs> he, he's coming back. So CMC, yeah, well, stay healthy, Christian. Fantasy yeah. football is a better game when you are healthy. Real football is a better game when you're healthy. We're talking about the running game that still includes Debo Samuel. We guess uh, what should the expectations be for Debo's usage, specifically his rushing usage, after the 49ers throttled back a little last year. Well, on the ground, I mean, just a strange overall campaign for Debo. It was only 12 or 13 games. The receiving production fell off a cliff. Not, well, it did fall off a cliff relative yeah, to 2021 did. amidst, like, the quarterback chaos. Just tell us what you think the plans are for Debo as a rusher this year and is maybe Debo, the sense around Debo in general, after, like, these two like, kind of, like, whiplash 2021 and 2022 seasons he had. So I think the Debo rushing thing is pretty much over. Uh, the only reason they did it, as much as they did a few years ago is because they had to, they had so many injuries. They needed somebody to be able to make an explosive play. And so they threw him back there and it worked. But now the league is adjusted. Like they figured it out. And Kyle Shanahan referenced it because they actually ran a a Debo rushing play for Ray Ray McLeod last year. And it went for like a 70 yard touchdown. And Kyle's comment after the game was, yeah, it's nice to do that and not see the entire defense shift as soon as we line up. So they've kind of figured out the Debo is a running back thing. He'll still get carries here and there, but I think that it's not going to be like it was in 2021. But the good news is that Debo, he's done his work this offseason. He's lost weight. He's put in the time training by his own admission. 2022 was awful. He said it was awful in every aspect. He said, I'll never put that kind of bad film on tape again. He's coming in shape. He looks good. So I think primarily Debo is going to be used as a wide receiver. Now we'll see what he can do in 2021. Early in that year, he was fantastic purely as a wide receiver. You think he put up 900 yards in his first nine games. He was leading the league in receiving through nine games. He has shown that capability, but it all starts with him in the offseason. When he comes in in shape, he has a good year. When he comes in out of shape or hurt, he has a bad year. And so far, this looks like a good Debo year. 
just to give folks an idea of how much things dropped off for Debo Samuel in the receiving part of the game, uh, his yards per target went from 11.6 in 2021 to 6.6 in 2022. Uh, he saw a similar drop in uh, yards per reception. It just all was, uh, was not very good. As you know, if you drafted Debo Samuel with the hope that you were going to get a wide receiver one. Denny's going to ask about the other pass catchers in just one second, but I feel like, at least by me, it has been kind of memory hold with Debo, like how crazy his offseason was last year. And he was trying to force a trade. And it's easy to lose track of these things with the 49ers, and there's so much quarterback drama. But, you know, it was this time last year where all the talk was a Debo trade. And maybe he was already extended by now, but good to hear he's having a normal offseason. I did see – I'm going to move on to to the other pass catchers on the team, but I did see that Debo is sending – Shirtless pictures to Kyle Shanahan right. uh, on on yes. the uh, on the regular, and uh, you know what? Hey, if that's the way that you have to prove that you're in shape, then you go ahead and do it. I, you know, I do that with Pat, which is weird, but it's it's okay. It's okay. It's not weird. I mean, I I asked. I, that's one way we evaluate your employee performance. <laughs> that's right. That's, I, you you got to be in shape to talk fantasy football. Blurbing right. physical grind. I'll just say it that. is. I'll that it is. There. No, people don't know. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, pleasant surprise last year in fantasy. I think folks are generally seeing him as the probable wide receiver one in San Francisco this year. He was uh, 21st in guards per route run among wide receivers last year, right around T. Higgins. Where do you see him uh, falling in this offense as far as priority goes? Because we, we know it's a, it's a run-based offense. It's pretty conservative. Uh, can he make the most out of his opportunities in the in the Niners offense? So that's the big question. Nobody has gotten better reviews universally on the 49ers this year in camp than Brandon Ayuk. Offensive players, defensive players, coaches, reporters. Everybody says he's been virtually unguardable, that he has taken his game to an incredible level, which is the skill that I think everybody thought he had coming out of college. The problem is Kyle Shanahan doesn't ever force the ball to anybody. He can. I've seen him make Pierre Garçon lead the league in yards when he was right. in Washington. Like, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> but I think that Kyle thinks, because they have so many playmakers on offense, I don't need to do that. If there's a week where, for whatever reason, it'd be easier to get the ball to Debo or Kittle yeah. or CMC, he's just going to do that, even if Brandon Ayuk is really good. So I think he'll be better, but I just think that Kyle is not, he's just going to have some weeks where he just goes away from him. And I know from a fantasy perspective, that's the complete opposite of what you want. So even though I think Ayuk is good and he's clearly their best receiver in the red zone, I don't know that he's going to have a much better year statistically than he did last season. Right. I mean, it would, it would require hyper efficiency, I think. And, and, you know, speaking of that, just shift over to George Kittle real quick. Kittle has been frustrating for fantasy purposes because I'm not frustrated at all about you, depending on him to carry my dynasty team for three years in a row. And it's mostly Rob because we don't get points for good blocks, you know, and if we did, then George Kittle would be the first player off the board in 12 team formats. You know, they value him. It seems like the team values Kittle as a, a, a huge part of their run blocking game and, and even, even pass blocking sometimes. Is there any reason to think that that changes and we see more route running, more uh, participation in the passing game this year for Kittle, or is it kind of just a continuation of what of what we know from Kittle as, uh, from a fantasy standpoint? I have been screaming for years that blocking is still the second best thing that George Kittle does. <laughs> Apparently, Kyle Shanahan is the last person to know that. <laughs> the good right. news on Kittle is he had a resurgence last year. 
George Kittle caught a quarter of his career touchdown passes since Brock Purdy took over last year. His career touchdown passes. They found a real connection in the red zone. And so if Brock is healthy to start the year, and again, it looks like he is, I think that's where you're going to see Kittle perform better than he has in years past because I think that's a real thing. But in terms of the yardage and the consistency, again, I don't think it's going to be there. And it's frustrating because it can be. We've seen it. George Kittle had five touchdowns last year of 30 yards or more. That hadn't been done by a tight end since the 60s. So it's there. But Kyle, again, he doesn't force it. And I just think that the red zone is going to be where Kittle makes his mark. He's still going to have plenty of those games where – He's got three catches for 30 yards and a bunch of really good run blocks, and the 49ers win by 20. Rob, the 49ers, again, final question. We're used to surprises. A lot of times they're bad surprises in fantasy football, you know, which now Kyle Shannon doesn't care about, and justifiably so, so he should not care about that. But any names that aren't even on the fantasy radar we maybe need to know about? Is Juwan Jennings going to take a big step forward this year? <laughs> Cameron Latu going to be more involved than expected as a rookie. Is Danny Gray going to do something as a sophomore? Danny Gray was a guy I had in Dynasty. I couldn't decide if I should keep him or not for a second year. I did keep him. Uh, but it's maybe a name that's not really getting much attention in fantasy circles that should be more on our radar. I hate to be boring, but no. <laughs> I would say Jordan Mason, if anybody, only because I could see Elijah Mitchell possibly getting traded or cut. Frankly, like I don't think his roster spot is secure by any means just because of all the injury problems they've had and because of the depth that the team has at running back. So Jordan Mason is a guy whose role could become RB2. But honestly, like Jawan Jennings is good, but he's basically just a third down guy. You know, he had 35 catches last year, 23 got a first down. But that's pretty much all he does. Danny Gray had one catch last year in his rookie season. He did, Rob. He did. Yes. So, unfortunately, I hate to be that guy, but, like, the names are who they are. When you've got as many guys as the 49ers have in their starting lineup, there's not really room for anybody else. So, I think they're the first team to ever have all pros, wide receiver, running back, and tight end at the same time. That's incredible. Well, Rob, thank you so much for 49 Or Again, com- complex team, maybe not so complex this year. Maybe the 49ers will just be easy for once is the last thing I say before I die. Uh, that will <laughs> Thanks, not happen. Rob. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Joyce, Rob, and tell, tell people where they can find you, where they can find you on the Twitter machine. That's what we still call it, uh, where your work might appear. Where can we find Rob Guerrero on the interwebs? So I'm on all the socials at Stats on Fire. The podcast is the gold standard 49ers podcast. It's everywhere you get your audio podcast. There's a YouTube channel. Uh, please like and subscribe. And also we have a website, goldstandardniners.com. Awesome stuff. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have an enjoyable season. I know at times Jimmy Garoppolo seemed to be having – you were kind of questioning your sanity watching Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. last year. Um, Every time, not sometimes. <laughs> all of the times. <laughs> Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Denny, yeah, it'll be easy. Uh, 49ers will be easy. Yeah. Well, I I think the thing we have to remember at the Niners is that they just, they're going to, they want to win 17 to three. And we have to accept that. You know, like they just, they don't want to light up the scoreboard. That's okay. And we have to accept that we will be right back after this. With the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and much more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code DRAFT2023 
That is NBCSports.com slash draft guide, promo code draft 2023 to save 20% off at checkout. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Danny, we're a few minutes away from Cardinals analyst Johnny Venerable joining us. We're going to talk yeah. some AZ Cardinals, uh, you know, not the most explosive team. There's just not a lot of exciting teams in this division right now. <laughs> the Seahawks are one of the more exciting teams, but they're kind of an easy team. At least they were an easy team. Well, they were. Until yeah. Zach Charbonnet yeah. and Kenneth Walker both got injured on Sunday. Uh, with Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet both dealing with minor injuries, is this supposed competition over before it be, even begins? Because Walker's injury seems to be minor. He's not a rookie. Yeah. Uh, does this like foreclose any chance Zach Charbonnet had of carving out a meaningful early season? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, to start with, right? I mean, you know, the, Charbonnet, for those who – don't know yet. Somehow, somehow you're not hammering the uh, refresh button on Roto World. Uh, Charbonnet suffered a, a shoulder injury, is out, I think, indefinitely was the word. Um, it is indefinitely. That, and they, they, be, they use the word more caution with Ken Walker. Yeah, so. right. And sure. so, you know, we're still four weeks away from the start of the season. I, I think there's, there's a chance Charbonnet will not be ready for the start of the season. But really, like, I, I did a draft today, folks. And I'm telling you that Zach Charbonnet fell four rounds from his from what his ADP was yesterday. Okay, so I, I I actually think he's a fantastic he becomes a fantastic zero RB target if you you know if you have a bench with with some spots where you can just hang on hang on to guys who might fall into carries. Uh, Walker is 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 going to rise in ADP. I don't, I don't know if I can get in on that, but uh, I, I'm not counting out Charbonnet. That is the thing about the Seahawks and these injury updates and Pete Carroll, who Pete Carroll is the master of saying stuff when it comes to injuries. Yeah. Sometimes he says stuff that's like overly positive, like you'll witness the quarterback like snap his leg. And I'm, yeah, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. And he's just chomping gum. Like, wow, that seems kind of optimistic. Right. Well, the, the guy went off on a, in a, <laughs> you know, in, in an ambulance. Yeah. And, uh, and then two years later, he's finally taking practice yeah. reps again. 
I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. ZC, oh yeah, out indefinitely. Who's ZC? Right, yeah, I had to figure that out. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I mean, just to mention the obvious, DJ Dallas is not going to be the lead back. What about uh, Kenny McIntosh, who was so getting a little steam even right, before there the is, injuries? There is Kenny McIntosh, one of the most inefficient runners in all college football last year. Uh, but it, you know what? Hey, it, that, that doesn't matter. It's old Petey. You know, Petey loves his hardworking running backs, physically imposing, which Kenny McIntosh is. And so we could, you know, could see Kenny McIntosh get some real run if Walker and Charbonnet are, are both banged up entering the season. It all it all becomes very confusing. But you really have to not cross off Charbonnet off your draft list because uh, his ADP is going to plummet. I think. You seemed skeptical on Ken Walker there. What, what's up? Like maybe oh, I, Ken Walker's a trap. What's well the because because he's gonna he's gonna jump by a round or a round well, and a half. I, is he? I mean, he is hurt. I mean, is he really gonna jump just because he's well, less hurt than Zach Charbonnet? Yeah, I mean that, that's a fair too? question. Will that's he a fall fair. Too? That he, if he does, then yeah, I mean, I I, I would be more apt to take him. But I, I think that the the nature of the two injuries to the Seattle running backs, I would think the Walker would rise, but maybe I'm wrong. But if he does, I think that that's a situation where you get him and you're like, oh yeah, like we have a path to like elite production. And then the second Charbonnet can play, you're like, ah, come on. It's week three. I only got two weeks out of Walker as the, as the primary back. It is a tough situation. It's kind of a weird situation in the receiver core where DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett return is one of the very best receiver duos in the entire NFL. Both had very good 2022s as Geno Smith rose from the ashes and had one of the most shocking comeback campaigns in NFL history. But the, the star of camp so far has been Jackson Smith and Jigba, who the pads have not gone on yet. I believe the pads are going on today in Seattle. I mean, Geno has been hyping JSN. Pete Carroll absolutely over the moon hyped JSN. I mean, it's not surprising. He is a first-round pick. It's just where are the targets going to come from for JSN? Is he really going to render – like Tyler Lockett, a non-entity. He's been going ahead of Tyler Lockett in underdog drafts, which strikes me as highly aspirational. I, yeah, I, I, th- I think to a point. Yeah, so basically you have Metcalf and Lockett combining for about 50% of the team's targets last year and even more, even a larger percentage of the team's air yards, okay? Uh, I know air yards don't pay the bills, but they are important. And and so now you uh, add... Air, air yards leave my family starving, Denny. That's right. You can't eat them. You can try to eat them. But you know they don't they they don't fill your tum- your tummy. I tried to I tried to buy some chicken at the the, the local the mart with air yards the other day and they would not sell. They it. said no. They laughed you out of the place. They I, did I actually, and I'm actually banned. I can't come back. He <laughs> <laughs> tried to pay with air yards. I live in a town where that's the one market, Denny. So yeah. uh, now I hope you're happy. Anyway, All sorry, right. let's, not, let's not get really serious here. Yeah. Look, uh, JSN is not going to just be like a part time player. Like he he's going to be a problem for somebody. And my thought is that the guy going at wide receiver 15, DK Metcalf, is going to have a tougher time meeting those expectations than the guy going at wide receiver 30, which is Tyler Lockett. Roughly wide receiver 30, okay? I, I know people are, oh, no, it's 32 in my league. So, um, <laughs> you know, so, so I, for me, I, I think I wrote the Seahawks preview for the site. Folks can check that out, and I kind of spell it out in a little more detailed way. But for me, I think that JSN is going to take from both Lockett and Metcalf. I think that Lockett can still get there from an ADP standpoint. 
I don't think Metcalf can without like an insane touchdown season, which I mean, it's pos- he's a big guy. He has 14 abs, you know, he's a very strong <laughs> man. He could do it. But, but, but really I'm, I'm nervous about Metcalf. I'm not as nervous about Lockett. That strikes me as very sensible. I guess maybe there is a scenario where everyone wins and maybe JSN just consolidates the non Metcalf Lockett target share, which was divvied up against pass catchers who are not good players right. last year, unless you count Noah Fant. Um, they just didn't have a third receiver. Noah Fant didn't have a great year. None of like the the Carroll specials at tight end really did anything. I don't no, know if Will no. Disley still on the team. I can't remember. He probably is. Oh, uh, Disley. Will Disley. We love Will Disley. We love our Will Disley. Colby Parkinson. Yeah. Too. <laughs> they, uh, we're, DJ we're remembering Dallas. some guys. Yeah, we are remembering some guys. But I think you are correct. The DK Metcalf is going to be more effective than Tyler Lockett. Uh, we've kept Johnny Venerable waiting long enough. We'll, we'll wait him. We'll let him wait just one more second. Right. He'll be here right after this. Start your Sunday with an American League Central battle in Cleveland, Ohio. Watch Luis Robert, who I say Robert, but we apparently have to say Robert, and the Chicago White Sox take on Jose Ramirez and the Cleveland Guardians on MLB Sunday leadoff. Catch the action live and exclusively on Peacock at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, August 6th. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Johnny Venerable, the man, the myth, the legend, who I have teased um, several times. He's now here to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Johnny, how are you doing? What's Your up, fellas? Football show debut. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Big fan. Thanks um, for coming on. Real quick, where, where, where can we find you? Where, on the on the because I didn't introduce. I know you have a show. <laughs> yeah, and you're all over. You're all over X. As what's we now yeah, call it. Uh, where can a, the folks find you? It's a fun platform these days. Uh, I'm at Johnny Venerable, and I, I work for a digital media company out of Phoenix called PHNX Sports. And uh, my co-host and I, Bo Brock, we host a daily uh, Arizona Cardinal podcast live stream, 4.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. We get to talk about our, our favorite team, that being the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> it's a lot, lot of good stuff happening with this franchise, man. Johnny, I would be remiss just real quick before we got to football. But I didn't ask you, is it actually a dry heat? Because when I see 116 in Phoenix, I'm kind of wondering how how, how dry that heat uh, can really be. Uh, how have you been surviving, uh, coping with this heat wave in Phoenix, Arizona? Oh, I grew up in central Illinois for the first 30 <laughs> years of my life. So yes, I can confirm it's a dry heat. Uh, we drove home last summer uh, from, from Phoenix to Illinois, which I do not recommend. I stepped out of my car in Iowa and uh, my skin felt like it was going to melt off. Like the, there's, there's no humidity here. So you sit like under an umbrella and, and be comfortable. So you kind of, I mean, it comes with the territory and then you get like eight plus months of just ideal weather. So you take the good with the bad. You mentioned central Illinois. I believe that is on the St. Louis swamp that I live on. Um, and the heat is very undry here in St. Louis. So <laughs> Johnny knows what I'm talking about. He's going to know what he's talking about with Kyler Murray, who hasn't exactly made it seem like he's going to be ready for week one. And this very classic, like Kyler fashion. I was like, does this guy even want to be ready for Week One? <laughs> Some of his quotes, like, it was, it was not grind set quotes. Which I mean, you know, I appreciate a guy not giving like canned, fake grind set quotes. But yeah, wow, he doesn't seem too terribly concerned about whether or not he's ready for Week One. I'm sure that he is quite concerned about being ready for Week One. But what is the sense around the team? But just when Kyler Murray will make his 2023 debut, is there any chance it's in the opener? Yeah. It- Depends on the day you ask, right? Because I think, I mean, there were those rap sheet tweets that came out early in the offseason, like going to miss maybe half the year, if not most of the year. And I, I kind of like put my eyebrows at that. I'm like, wait a minute. Like 
Carson Wentz tore his ACL like almost the exact same time as Kyler and came back week three. You know, of course, we've seen RG3 and Joe Burrow come back. And, you know, I was never of the mindset like it had to be week one, but I'm like, well, he's going to play the majority of the season, right? I think a lot of that comes into play. Like people assume the Cardinals are tanking, which if you talk to Jonathan Gannon, they are not tanking, but like, is the roster so self-sabotage purposely by Monty Austin Ford? Like they're just not going to win many games. I, I think that's a fair question, but the, the, the team and the team site through their YouTube page teased a video of Kyler Murray rehabbing. And the last thing purposely that they put in there was he said his goal was to be ready for week one. And so like, of course people are going to run with that. Like the team is advertising that. And then we spoke to him. I spoke with him Saturday and he's not putting the timeline on it. Um, and it was a very coached press conference, clearly diligently, like don't want to put extra pressure on him. He started camp on PUP. I think it would be a really good sign if he didn't start the season on PUP, obviously. I, I don't think he's going to be ready week one, but like, could he come back week three or four? I think that would be promising. There's just, there's no soft landing spot for him to come back on. I think maybe the, the best case scenario, like if you're going to put him on PUP is like week five against Cincinnati at home. But, you know, they open up with the commanders and they've got, you know, uh, the Giants at home in week two. I would be surprised if he didn't at least play three-fourths of the season. Like, if we're going to get a good, healthy sample size from Kyler Murray. Because, I mean, like, listen, guys, if they start like 0-6, 0-7, like, I argue with this. Other people argue this. Like, why would you bring him back then? Because clearly you're of the mindset that you're going to get, you know, a certain USC signal caller, which they vehemently <laughs> deny. They they, they don't want to entertain that, which I get. I've never even but, heard of him. I've never, right. I've never seen him. But it's like, what are we, like, we're past Halloween and you're, you know, almost winless and you're going to bring Kyler. What's the, what are you doing? So I, I think he comes back early October would be my guess. You, you mentioned Johnny, the, the other quarterbacks who, you know, have come back early in the season, uh, Joe Burrow in, in uh, 2021 and then uh, RG three many years before that. Uh, they, they didn't come back at full health, you know, like RG three was a right. disaster, you know, coming back and, and it probably cost him his career being rushed back. Uh, by Mike Shanahan, uh, is is there any concern, lingering concern about like the timing of the injury? Because I mean, it was it was late in the season, and yeah. I I just assumed I yeah I mean I I assumed okay he's done for next year. You're saying maybe week one. I I I just wonder if if they're afraid of pushing him back too soon. I yeah sure that's the biggest thing because like Gannon really likes Kyler Murray like took the job in part because I mean it's an NFL job but also like he was excited is excited to work with Kyler Murray and they're playing with house money this year the owner knows it it's a new GM who picked Gannon they've got six picks in the in the top three rounds including Houston's one next year like they didn't have a, a robust free agency spending spree I mean like this is they're they're resetting the culture here and they're resetting it with young players it's great so why would you rush Kyler Murray back my only pushback is it's like, okay, so you knew Kyler Murray wasn't going to be ready week one. Like, like why didn't you sign a quarterback? Like, I, I, I'm sure we're going to get into this, but I watched yeah. the quarterbacks Friday and Saturday, and it, it's not good. They've got Clayton Toon, who's their QB2 right now, who oh, I yeah. liked coming out of Houston, but, like, he's not ready to play. And then Colt McCoy, the incumbent, who is a time extension. Like, they have no allegiance to Colt McCoy. I assume they were going to cut him in the in the offseason he's doing like color commentary for usfl games in the spring and i'm like well okay go get, Gardner <laughs> Mitchell, go get jacoby Brissett, right oh no they didn't do that 
So then, okay, Colt McCoy has been the number one during OTAs, minicamp, whatever. It's practice on Friday, and we're standing there, and he's running team, and he's taking dropbacks, and instead of throwing the ball, he's just pointing, like pointing at guys that hypothetically he could throw to. And so we asked Jonathan. I'd never seen that before. And then he comes in with the twos, and he's throwing the football. So it's like, I get it. They're like, they're doing a th- every three day maintenance with Colt McCoy, but like, uh, how are you going to evaluate Michael Wilson and Trey McBride and these young oh players? And then Saturday he does throw the ball and he's, he's missing guys. He threw two interceptions during team. And I, this is, sounds like I'm knocking Colt McCoy. He's a great signing for what he was with Cliff Kingsbury. But like, why, why oh, if you're Monty Osifor and Jonathan Gannon, you have no allegiance. You don't, you don't have a connection to him. Like let's move on. But they're they're in a tough spot with that unless he shows dramatic improvement. I get he's learning a new offense, but it hasn't been good lately. What's uh, Carson Palmer doing these days? <laughs> Someone can give him a call. You made a lot of interesting points there, Johnny. I kind of forgot Cole McCoy was like a Steve Kime poison pill on the roster, <laughs> and like they just couldn't get rid of it. And we've been hyping Clayton Tune a little bit in the fantasy community because he had an interesting profile for fifth rounder. Uh, made it sound like he's not ready. The thing with Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy does seem like a great guy. And Colt McCoy is one of those quarterbacks now where if he enters a regular season game, it's a matter of when, not if he's going to get hurt in that game. He gets hurt basically every time he steps on the field. And do you do you think with that in mind, do they who do they want to be the number two? Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon? I I don't think they love anybody enough to they like we asked Gannon is two number two. And he said, all the shots, all the jobs are open. Like the quarterback room's wide open. I'm like, what does that mean? You have (laughs) Jeff Driscoll and David Blau. Like they're not getting significant reps. So clearly they're not in the running. Thank goodness for that. Like I like Clayton Toon as a future backup to Kyler Murray. He's a big kid. He can move around. He rolled out, hit Michael Wilson on a a nice out route on on Saturday. and And the crowd cheered. But like he's not ready to play week one against the commanders. I'm sorry. He's not ready to go into Washington and win that game for them. He I think he he's got a little bit of Drew Stanton in him where he can be a, a really nice spot starter in the NFL. Maybe I'm shortchanging him ahead of the preseason. But like again, like Gannon had ties to Gardner Minshew, was in Philadelphia last year. Drew Petzing, their offensive coordinator, coached Jacoby Brissett and, and and looked viable at times last year. Cleveland won seven games. That I know they were talking to and I probably people roll their eyes at this. Like they were talking to Joshua Dobbs. Austin Ford was the assistant GM in Tennessee last year. Dobbs outplayed Malik Willis. He's under 30. He can move a little bit. Like there's three viable options that they could have signed. And they've got $30 million in cap space. They're going to have $80 million next spring. So it's hard because like they do and say a lot of great things where you're like, yes, they have an an idea of what they want to do and they want to evaluate young players. But like you you become unwatchable quick in this league. Like Nick Foles late in 2022 oh, with the Colts on, unwatchable. Kids listen to this show, man. Don't when you're me. when you're when you're trotting out this kind of quarterback product. So I I mean three days in the camp and they're doing maintenance on Colt McCoy's arm. I, I don't know. Maybe they signed somebody. Wild, Maybe wow. Toon takes the reins during the preseason. I I like a lot of what this team's doing. I'm I'm befuddled by this decision. Man, Johnny, it's July 31st, and it sounds like you've already seen things you can't unsee in Cardinals camp. That's probably a great sign. <laughs> it was an open practice. Like, the fans were there, and it, they were just going through that's it. Wild. You know, it is. It's nuts. But, hey, let's, they, they got some nice skill players. I'm excited about the young players. It's the first time I think I've ever unironically said that's wild. I mean, that is genuinely wild to have the, yeah. the, the Colt McCoy pointing practice be one of the open practice. Like, you know, yeah. people can see this. You're yeah. like, I, I, I see one receiver, two, and three. Okay, next play. 
Johnny, Denny's going to move on to the pass catchers here in just one second, but you mentioned Kyler Murray in the pup list. If he's on the pup, that's you have to miss at least four games. So if he's not on the pup, it's a really good sign because, like you said, they expect him to miss fewer than four games. Then I, I know you're just guessing percent chance that Kyler Murray opens the year on the pup list. Oh man, 50 50 coin okay. flip. That, that's that's because they, I was told by somebody two weeks ago that they were 50 50 he'd start training camp on the pup list like they didn't know and like gannon told me at the combine told us at the combine that like they were going to be extra cautious with it but then that was you know four or five months ago and then the kyler murray stuff comes out that he he's targeting the opener so i would say i mean he's certainly a draftable player i think he's going to play well at the end of the year i think there'll be some growing pains but like He's gonna, I asked him if he was excited about this. He's going to play under center for the first time in like 10, 15 years. Like they're going to put him under center. It's going to be an under center offense. They're going to run a little bit of Cleveland and San Francisco on first and second down. And then third down, it's going to look like Philadelphia, you know, with Jalen Hurts a little bit. But they're going to, he's going to be under center. Sounds, all, sounds awful, Johnny. <laughs> <Johnny. laughs> this, this sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like I, I just I just drafted Marquise Brown in a league because he fell in a draft, and I'm like, sure. oh, that that feels pretty good. It feels awful now. I I'm not drafting any more Cardinals well, players. Denny, I don't know if you saw the report. Colt McCoy was pointing Marquise Brown's <laughs> way basically every day <laughs> at practice on Friday. Do I get PPR points for the point? You do. That, yeah, you know, I have a point. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, geez, I'm 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 reeling now, but I I'll ask about the tight end. So yeah. Zach Ertz. Uh, 62 years old, coming off an ACL injury. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, he's like eight years younger than me, so I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, coming off the ACL injury, what are the chances he's ready for the start of the season? And are, are we going to eventually see a Trey McBride takeover at tight end? Yes, it's already happened. I mean, he's tight end one right now. He's been nicked up. I think he missed the last two practices, but he had his helmet on. He was running around. Ertz, I think will be activated before the start of the regular season. I don't know how much he'll play early in like the first quarter of the season. So if you're thinking about drafting him, I would say late. McBride is the guy. That's the guy that they want to showcase. I mentioned Drew Petzing, who had David Njoku last year. Njoku would, would drop some passes. McBride, to me, I mean, he was poised to break out last year, and you've got Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury making him inexplicably inactive early yes. in the season. It was ridiculous. And so at the end of the year, he got a bunch of targets and did pretty well. I think mm-hmm. I think if if given the opportunity and, and he takes full advantage, he'll, he'll sleepwalk his way to 500-plus yards and five touchdowns. Because, again, who else do they have? I think the, the passing game, with what I saw, especially Friday, with he and Clayton Toon, it's going to be like dump-offs. It's going to be check-downs, seam right. routes. He can run just about everything. He was so prolific. I get it. It was a Colorado State, uh, but he was so such a prolific you know, pass catcher uh, at the collegiate level and and was the first tight end drafted two years ago. And people forget that. So um, he'll get opportunities. Uh, he wasn't a draft pick of this regime and they are favoriting their draft picks. Make no mistake. Like the guys they took in April are going to play for this team. But Trey, I think, is one of those guys that's going to seep through and ingratiate himself to Gannon. And uh, I think he has a nice year. That was like a real deal. People forget, by the way, Johnny. Like people really do forget Trey McBride was I the did. yeah the top tight end in the twenty twenty two draft. So that's like no joke. And yeah, it is, you mentioned they're going to favor their guys. You know, they didn't get to bring in as many guys as they would probably like. It was a strange off season for the Cardinals. Kind of a holding pattern. Didn't have a ton of draft capital, if I'm remembering correctly. 
Um, but one of those guys was third round receiver, Michael Wilson. Uh, how has he been popping in the early days of Cardinals camp, the off season program? How do the coaches seem about him? Cause we'll, we'll ask more about the receiver core, but it's an up for grabs receiver core. Yeah. Behind Marquise Brown. There's Rondale Moore, a fantasy legend who Denny is going to be contractually obligated to ask you about. And there's, there's Greg Dortch and, yeah. So how is Michael Wilson the third rounder look? Uh, he's running with the ones right now. If that tells you anything, um, <laughs> I was I was pretty surprised they took him because they took a corner Garrett Williams who was hurt, and then they took Michael Wilson right after that. But he was healthy during the offseason. He dominated the Senior Bowl. Um, he's unlike anything they have because Steve Kime had an infatuation with undersized receivers, pairing them with Kyler Murray, which did is he ever kind of conversation in and of itself. Michael Wilson is supremely gifted can he can he stay healthy i think if he stays healthy he's going to become the number two receiver for this for this team by the end of the year um because again they're going to run the ball early so that means he needs to be out there run blocking because I, I love greg dorch and rondo oh, more like you're not getting that from them and you're probably not getting that from hollywood brown they signed zach pascal from uh i think he came from philadelphia spent time in indy like he's going to play a lot they drew petsing's offense in cleveland last year guess how many uh receivers under six foot they had zero and oh, so yeah. like they're they're kind of i don't want to say they're weeding oh. these guys out because greg dorch deserves to play deserved to play last year kimes infatuation cliff's infatuation with rondell moore inexplicably took snaps away from greg dorch who out i mean i watched it all preseason training camp like he outplayed rondell moore he was a better player he had better separation he put 100 yards against the Niners on Monday night football. Like he deserves to play and he'll make his money special teams and returning punts. But Michael Wilson is, if he can stay healthy is going to be a player that they try to build around. And if they have an opportunity to pair him with like a Marvin Harrison jr. Next spring, I think that's what they want to do. Johnny, I, I just want you to know that I was dragged over the coals on this show by my co-host for <laughs> liking me some Greg Dorch. Last oh, he's year. great. And, uh, you I, talk I mean, to me. Well, we just told you we wanted you to talk about literally a second player. You came <laughs> I said in no. the show and you only talked about Greg Dorch. I Dorch's said record. I will shut my mouth if it's not about Greg Dorch. <laughs> it was a very odd year of the Road Rock football <laughs> show where Denny only talked about Greg Dorch. Uh, I mean, this Rondell, team had DeAndre Hopkins two months ago and cut him for and told gave him twenty one million dollars to leave. I mean, that's right. they they tried all offseason to trade him. They had started trade conversations in February. Nobody wanted that contract, and they just they would not have him on their books past this year. So, so you're saying Rondell Moore is has an up uphill climb to see consistent snaps in this offense? Yeah, Johnny, because Rondell Moore he's going very clearly as the second Cardinals receiver in fantasy drafts. Like huge gulf between him and Michael Wilson yeah. and Greg Dorch in ADP. Yeah, I would say that that's probably not wise. I would say that it's Hollywood Brown, and then it's up for grabs with an with a an emphasis on the bigger receivers because they're going to play more. Uh, I do like. I tweeted this out on Saturday, like his route tree is much better. How could it not be? I mean, his yards per catch year one or under Cliff Kingsbury is like eight yards. And it was, it was kind of a gimmick offense joke offense with him passes behind the line of scrimmage. You're asking somebody, I'm five, six and a half. I interviewed him at the, at media day. <laughs> We're the same size, same height at least. Um, and so it's like it, the, the idea to use Rondo more at the line of scrimmage is not a good idea. So, I mean, there, he's, he's a slot receiver and he's underneath and he's making people miss like five to seven yards downfield. That's where he's going to be living. But again, a lot of that is going to be predicated on his ability for yak and then to stay healthy. He's not been able to stay. He hasn't been healthy since 2018 at Purdue. No, and no. so it's, I mean, he, it's like, we all remember that one game against Ohio state. That was like six years ago. So it's, I, 
he, I think he's he's going to be on the team and he'll get his opportunities. But like he's had 400 plus yards each of the first two years. Like I think that's where he's going to be living, and I think he could be living in, in, on a different team next year, just because you know Dorch they tendered like Austin Ford tendered Dorch's contract to come back this year. They watched enough last year. Like you're going to be around, but I mean this offense is already going to be so limited without Kyler Murray. Like Hollywood Brown, Trey McBride, James Conner feel like good good bets, and then take a flyer on, on Michael Wilson is what I would recommend. Well, you just basically said triggered much to a lot of the famous <laughs> community with Rondell Moore, but the way you laid it out, I mean, honestly sounds ironclad. Like it's, it does. it's I, extremely it's persuasive case. And yeah. Very I want him to be good. He's a great guy, but like, even when we talk to him, like what's it, we asked him, like, what's it going to take to get healthy this off season and change your body. And, it almost sounded like he was a little defeated. It's like, it is what it is. I train hard. He's in great shape every every offseason. It was like the Thursday practice before week one. He messed up his hamstring last year. He just never recovered. And they they really would do themselves a disservice because they would make him a big focal point of the offense. Even with, you know, D-Hop and Hollywood last year, it was like, we're going to give Rondell more X amount of looks. And then be, at the end of the week, he just is not available. That would kind of, you know, screw up what they obviously wanted to do on Sundays. It's just you mentioned Cliff Kingsbury and the, like the joke offense part, but it just was very, very jokey. He was a, Cliff was a jokester. Well, I, yeah. I read I read that the Cardinals players are trying to get used to rules like, uh, <laughs> you know, like well any rules really, but rules like dressing properly uh, in the team facility. They're they're being fined if they're not wearing the right thing now. This is a this is a whole new system they have going. I don't know how much time we have, but I mean, there was a clip <laughs> from Hard Knocks last year. Lecky Foto, who's a defensive tackle, just brought like waffle mix into a into a team meeting for defensive tackles, making waffles late November, and just started just started making food. And I think like like there was a there was an ideology. Now they charged players for food last year too, so that might have been a part of it. But that was like, rather infamous charging the players for food. Yeah. So wow. there's an ideology like which I think they've nixed by the way. Gannett, Monty Austin Ford is, is in charge of things now. He's, he's taking care of some some of the things you would you would hope he would. But this year I think like Zayvon Collins like tried to bring food into a team meeting and Gannon's like we're not doing that. So yeah they're they're finding players for being late. You got to wear cardinal gear. I mean like last year's team I mean, they were projected to win 10 games last year, and it was just literally like, can we just out-athlete people? Can Kyler Murray, like, play backyard football? They, it was just – it was rough. And, they, you know, they leaned on J.J. Watt as much as they could for, like, public appearances, but he's gone now. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon, like, Zayvon Khan, you can't bring in your entire smoker and <laughs> smoke a brisket for eight hours in this team meeting. Uh, I don't know. That might have flown under Cliff, but not <laughs> under me. We do. Have, we have a few minutes left, Johnny. The, the last question, least set question we have for you, the backfield, James Conner is far and away the number one running back. Who is the number two running back and does it matter? I mean, it does matter because James Conner has a tendency to get nicked up. Very tough runner. Yeah. Uh, but it leads to a lot of nicks and bruises. Who is the number two running back? I mean, Corey Clements on the roster. Keontae Ingram is maybe the favorite. X Raven Tyson Williams, not a very impressive room on paper. No, and I we asked him, like, are you happy with this group? You want to add somebody? Running backs are <laughs> really cheap, apparently now. And Kareem Hunt was under Drew Petsing last year in Cleveland. Not interested. Uh James Conner's gonna get the bulk of the workload. And then yeah, Keontae Ingram, who's a sixth rounder, who's talented. He went to USC and transferred from Texas. Like, he's the backup. And he's big like James. He's not as 
I would I would say nifty once upon a time in the open field was when James was scoring like 20 touchdowns here and he's not as good as a receiver. But like that, okay, well, hypothetically, James goes down, which he's been known to do. What's it going to look like? I think it's Keontae on first and second down in between the tackles. And then Corey Clement probably is the third down pass protector out of the backfield. Um, I'm shocked they didn't draft one. They use like three pre-draft top 30 visits on running backs, just like a tank Bigsby of the world, just didn't fall their way. Um, I expect them, like they'll be a a team prime to take a back next year. Like they've got guys on their on their contract on their roster, like Ertz and Connor. Like it's cl- like they they won't be around next year, but they're right. going to pay them eight figures this year to be kind of the bridge glue guys. And and James has been a, a really good player in person for this franchise, so he's he's going to get like sixty. I I, w- I would say he's he's on pace for probably like twenty five touches a game. Really? Yeah, it sounds I was realistic. Gonna, it does. Yeah, I was going to ask if he's going to be like the centerpiece uh, of the offense. It sounds yeah. like that might be the case. You mentioned Clayton Toon. If 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 he gets some starts, it'll be rough, but maybe it'll lead to a bunch of short targets, dump offs. You mentioned McBride. So James Conner uh, averaged about four and a half targets per game last year in thirteen games, uh, 50, 59 in total. Uh, could we see even more of that if that kind of offense takes hold? Yeah, absolutely. I, that's going to be the offense with Colt still too. Is is, is dinks and dunks and. Short yardage. Unfortunately, that I was. I think that's literally all they can do with Cole. Right. He's, he's, point, uh, point, he's, he's pointing at, and he's, oh, he's just hit by four defensive linemen. <laughs> ones that he's pointing. And but I'm going to tell you right now, the, the, the short throws were the ones he was missing that were leading the interceptions on, on Saturday during team drills. It was not like deep outs where it's miscommunication with like a Michael Wilson. It was like pass for Rondell's behind him five yards down the field but no i think if james were to hypothetically stay healthy this year he's gonna 1200 total yards and eight to ten touchdowns i here's what i will say i've dogged on them for the large majority of this call like their their tackles are good and i i think their offensive line is going to be a plus offensive line that gets better paris johnson jr could be really good and and thank goodness that they took him and they stopped taking tweener linebacker undersized receivers like the they have, they have they grown up he just he does man he infatuates himself with with those kind of players they took i think they took like six off ball linebackers in the top two to three rounds during his tenure and steve kind of like just draft someone with a position yeah. you ever thought of that <laughs> they did not think of that but <laughs> they have they have basically outside of like your buddhas and kyler's like they've punted on the draft for 15 years like they're done doing that <laughs> Oh wow. my gosh. <laughs> Jesus. Hunting on the draft. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Johnny, good. you had a lot of really, really interesting stuff to say about one of the teams that will be one of the least interesting in the NFL this year. It'd be more interesting if Kyler can get out there early and just see how he performs in a more professional system. Just kind of left hung out to dry too often under Cliff Kingsbury and kind of allowed to like play into his worst tendencies as a player too often under Cliff Kingsbury. So that will be a fascinating storyline for the 2023 season once Kyler Murray kind of gets in there under what hopefully is a more professional operation. Um, so, yeah, really, really good stuff, Johnny. Uh, you, you can have a final word. Remind people again where they can find you. And thanks yeah, so uh, Johnny Venerable on Twitter, gophnx.com. It's the phnx underscore Cardinals on Twitter podcast every single day, 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. I I will say like Kyler Murray's motivated to come back in part. I'm sure he hears the Caleb Williams stuff like that. How can you not? How could you not? 
Real qu- Johnny, real quick before I let you go. You said you're from Central Illinois. I'm assuming you're too young. There's no chance your Cardinals fandom started with the Arizona foot or the St. Louis football Cardinals. Oh, yeah, of course it did. Yeah. Oh, I grew up as a St. Louis. I am a St. Louis Cardinal fan. My dad was a St. Louis Cardinal football fan as well. So it's, I'm 35. So it's embedded to me deep. There you go. Yeah. Get rid of John Mozalak like we did. I know. I know. It's time. He, he's, it's time for him to be kind. He had a little more success than kind. He did. Yeah. yeah. Time for him to be kind. Time for you to be kind. We've taken enough of your time. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Yep, thanks, man. Denny, we got uh, we got supposedly have to talk about the uh, another former St. Louis team. The uh, they keep taking our teams, taking all our teams. The uh, the St. Louis Rams Zoomers are like, what the, what the hell is this? St. Louis Rams? That's not a real thing. And I tried to have Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, Isaac Bruce, Troy Holt. You never heard of these guys? Like, pff. Like, no. uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, please. Their 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 grandfathers watch them though. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking that this is way. This is fifty seventh minute of a podcast type comment. Uh-huh. But I, I was thinking in my head of like joke accounts that would be big on Threads. You know, like Threads is like all like influencers and stuff. And I thought of a a fifteen year old football <laughs> nepo son. So like the son of like say I don't know, like Ray Lewis or something has a really popular account on Threads, even though it's revealed one day that he doesn't remember the uh, Patriots Falcons Super Bowl. Too young to even remember the twenty-eight to three. Oh, this is way, way. This should should have never. This thought should have never left my head. Hey, you, you know, know what? The, I no, I like where you're going with it. If we had another fifteen minutes, we could probably get to like the core of that joke. We could, like the wow, the the Gordman's uh, brand account is really popular on Threads. <laughs> Most of the country probably doesn't know what Gordman's is. But, Did they make fish sticks? Is that uh, what you? Yeah, probably. But, fish sticks. Um, yeah. Threads. Anyway, the, the Rams are the threads of this division. They're trying. Uh, that's a horrible. That they're not, they're not the threads well, of this they're, division. They're not, not good. They're not Does good anyone behind that. Cooper Cup matter and the Rams skill court? Any? I I mean, apparently, according to reports from today, Demarcus Robinson matters. I'm so I'm tired, not, Pat. I'm deleting that. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, I know. I am tired. I, it's July 31st, and so like, all right, week one. Where are you I'm at? Not, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get excited about the Marcus Robinson. I'm just, I'm not, I refuse. Okay. We've talked about Puka Nakua. I have talked about him. But we, you mean you. Endlessly. Uh, for the record. Yes. There's Tutu Atwell, who's also a receiver on the Rams. I mean, I don't know, man. It just, it just all, all the, <laughs> the guys behind Cooper Cup just tell me the Cooper Cup's going to see 200 targets this year. That's true. The guys behind Cooper Cup just sold me a reverse mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> they just he, he just sold me a uh a, a, what are, what, are they, what do they call it the, the NFT monkeys what do they call apes the, the apes yeah. the bored yeah, apes so they, sold they, me a bored ape yeah so I'm and and you know therefore like when it comes down to like taking Tyreek Hill or Cooper Cup the volume that Cup's going to see in this offense kind of makes me lean that way. And this is after taking <laughs> Tyreek Hill for much of the offseason. So um, I, I would I would guess Puka Nakua will be will have a chance to emerge as a number two. But I guess if the look if the team likes Demarcus Robinson, uh, that's all that matters. Yeah, if they like Demarcus Robinson, that means they don't like anyone other than Cooper Cup. Right. That's a big Cam Akers season question mark. Is this, is this are we doing this yeah. again? Sure, sure, we're doing this again. I, I, I think we as a fantasy community uh, are not doing well 
with running backs coming off of major injuries. We just, we're, we're doing very poorly. Okay. We need to look more strongly into how these guys recover because man, we are constantly wrong and we were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We were completely wrong about cam Akers. Everybody who's going in on Javante Williams because he's at practice right now is going to be catastrophically wrong. I know this. Okay. Stop. Stop yourself. I'm the Jordan meme. Stop. Get some help. <laughs> Draft Samaji P. Ryan. Um, oh, and uh, and but but now, hey, we're two years removed from from the Acres injury. So now he's probably okay. And now I'm willing to draft him. He went from trying to force his way off the team to basically being the every down back down the stretch. And Sean McVay basically being like, We're cool now. Like they they yeah. did, they have had a, a, a reconciliation. The Rams and um, he was good too. He, the, the 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 metrics, the analytics say that he performed really well. It wasn't just that they were stuffing the ball in his chest twenty three times a game. It was that he was doing a lot with that opportunity. Cam Akers is currently the RB twenty one. That could sound high. That could sound low. Would you rather have Cam Akers or Miles Sanders? He's going one spot behind Miles Sanders and running back eighty. <laughs> it's kind of the same archetype. Uh, I, I like Acres to get more involved in the passing game, so I, I go Acres. I like Acres as touch floor more. Miles Sanders, I've just I've been conditioned to not believe in. Yeah, well, you you do not like you some of my. No, Sanders. I do not. Cam Acres or Alex Madison. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm still going Acres. I, I I actually think that Matt, Matt. First of all, Madison's not good. It doesn't matter that he's not good because it doesn't matter if running back is good or bad. It just matters if the. <sighs> It just matters that the coaches want to give them the ball. That's it. Okay. So they're going to try to do that. But I'm telling you that Kevin O'Connell is going to give up and the Vikings are going to lead the whole damn league in pass attempts this year. Um, So it sounds very realistic, actually. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's going to be, it's not going to be good for them as a team. Okay. They're going to win six games. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm out on Madison. I, I'd go Acres there. They're going to run that Kirk Cousins ship aground and then intentionally scuttle it but just be passing the entire time. And I may or may not be reading a book about the Spanish conquistadors who scuttled a lot of <laughs> You can ships. always tell what book had it read. <laughs> I know, that's true. You really can't. Uh, uh, can't, when, you were can't. Re- when you were reading that Oppenheimer book, everything was a nuclear disaster. You remember that? Do you remember, do you remember that I read the book? Many people are forgetting that I read the book before Chris Nolan read it. I, yeah, I mean, you you were an Oppenheimer uh, hipster. You knew about it before anybody. Did. I do. I read the book before even Chris Nolan did. And the now, Zoomer, <laughs> you knew about, about him way before the Zoomers. That's I did. Sure. Chris Nolan's now this company's most important employee. Um, you know, Wait, Oppenheimer is an NBC Universal film. Did you know this, Denny? I did, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And Chris Nolan has never made a bad movie, is my opinion. Yeah, he's he has, but not for NBC. He hasn't. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's true. <laughs> He actually probably hasn't. He's made a still haven't seen Tenet. Not really sure. There's, uh, I think I'd be confused. I'm not seeing Tenet. I'm not seeing Tenet. No one's got time for that. Come on. No, but see Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, in fact, you got to see Oppenheimer. They'll, they'll give Denny and I raises if you see Oppenheimer. So yeah. see it. Uh, they'll give us raises too if we end this show. It's over. Yeah, probably time. It's over. Um, so thank you so, so much to Rob Guerrera, to Johnny Venerable, here to talk to us about an interesting, strange division. Uh, we're back Thursday. I don't want to speak too soon, I believe, with Patrick Crane to do maybe a best ball draft. And then we're right. back next Monday to preview the AFC East. 
going to try to preview the NFC East next week as well, but we're off to Canton, Ohio for the Fantasy right. Football Expo. Let's do it. So for Denny Carter, for Rob Guerrero, for Johnny Venerable, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We will be back later this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.